broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20, racing near sideline 10, corner to the 5, touchdown Raiders! The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby! Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Here we go, kicking off hour number three of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Through the question out there for you, and you can hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Stroud or Young just happened to be there at number three overall. Are you the Raiders and getting aggressive and trading up to number three to go get one of those guys, or are you staying pat at number seven or even trading back to go get the best defensive player available? 69187, keyword R&R. That is the don'tbebroke.com text line. You can hit us up at any point of the show or anytime that we have a guest and you want to ask them a question, like our next guest, our good friend Cam Rogers from the Believe Podcast Network, does a fantastic job covering, well, everything like a glove, but he is a golf aficionado. He is that guy. He is the dude, and I am not. So we bring on Cam because he's an expert in Cam. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Definitely appreciate you. And I'll tell you this, man, off top, we have a a common friend in uh, Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. I was talking to him this morning, and he was talking about the Masters, and he said, I was actually consulting with Cam Rogers. Cam was breaking it down to me, and I was like, oh, damn, Cam's going to be on the show this afternoon. So Lee Sterling was giving you a large pat on the back, my man. Oh, I love to hear that, Q. A little uh, pat on the back from one of the best out there in this industry. Happy to be on your show, brother. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. It's great to catch up with you, my man. And as I mentioned, the Masters are here. I know how special it is. I know how important it is. A lot of my friends want to go there to Augusta and go check it out. I am not that guy when it comes to, to golf. I just I don't know it at the back of my hand like I probably should. But how special, in your opinion, is the Masters? It is my Super Bowl, to be honest with you. There's nothing quite like the Masters because you have the tradition. It's the unofficial symbol of the beginning of spring, the azaleas. It gets warmer out here on the East Coast. Usually it's on a holiday weekend. We've got Passover. We've got Easter. We're with our families. We've got Tiger Woods. It is the stage where we've seen some of the biggest moments in golf. Jack Nicholas winning it at, at the age of 46 back in 1986. Tiger winning it in 2019, of course, in 1997 as well. That collapse by Greg Norman, then Nick Faldo making that comeback win in the 90s. There are just, like, so many memories of this tournament that really make it one of the best golf events on the calendar, one of the best sports events on the calendar. I know that's right, and, and I know it is. Even though I'm not, like I said, an aficionado of it, I absolutely know that is one of the most special events on the calendar year when it comes to sports in general and, of course, in golf. So you said a name that obviously piques my interest. That's Tiger Woods. I mean, I wear a red polo because of Tiger Woods. Uh, I know he's coming back still from the injury. He's obviously not the same guy he was when he was winning Masters after Masters and tournament after tournament. But where are we right now with Tiger Woods and his health? How do you think that he's going he's gonna to do this this time around? Yeah, so I'm a little bit more bullish on Tiger Woods this year at the Masters than I was last year. Last year, we had not seen him. There wasn't much data to go off of as far as PGA Tour reps are concerned. This year, we actually have one tournament under our belts, and that was the Genesis Invitational out there in Los Angeles. Tiger played in it, made the cut, finished tied for 45th. He actually played pretty well with his irons. He gained over two strokes on approach. Hasn't done that since the 2020 BMW Championship. So I'm starting off my soliloquy here with positive things about Tiger. 
here's the bad stuff. The weather is going to be an issue for him, especially on the weekend. Saturday, we're looking at 50 degrees, rain, same case for the most part on Sunday. So that's not really good for somebody who, unfortunately, is playing on one and a half legs and has a bad back, right? He needs four hours before his tee time to prepare to just play one round. I think there are a lot of external factors that go against Tiger Woods this week. All of that is to say, I think he does safely make the cut, and I think his upside is somewhere around a top 30, top 20 finish. And making the cut for Tiger would be huge. And I, I don't believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that he's, he's missed the cut uh, at Augusta outside of his, what, his, uh, his amateur year? Correct. Never as a professional. Yeah, that's big. That's big. So for him to make the cut, be playing on the weekend, I mean, that just, I mean, how, okay, that would be big for him, obviously. How big would that be for the whole event, even though there's a lot of great golfers out there uh, competing this week? Yeah, I think it's cer- certainly important for the casual golfer out there as far as TV ratings are concerned. You want Tiger Woods playing on Saturday and, of course, donning the red shirt yes. on Sunday. Even better if he's on that second or first page of the leaderboard on Sunday afternoon. We'll see what happens as we go throughout the week. But I want him there. As far as betting is concerned, everybody's coming at me on my TikTok and Twitter. Where's your Tiger prediction? Listen, I can't go there. I can't put any money down on Tiger Woods to win this thing. That said, I want him to win, so I will gladly hold on to my money and root for him to get this thing done. And hopefully he is around for the weekend. I'm not mad at that at all. Again, Cam Rogers from the Believe Podcast Network is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. We're talking all things Masters. So if it's not Tiger Woods, and I know, again, there's plenty of really good talent out there, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Jason Day. I mean, that's just a few names right there. Uh, Who are you looking at? Do you give anyone the advantage at this stage of the game? Yeah, so I am going heavily in on the Bombers this week because of the rain. The rain is going to soften this golf course meaning that the ball is going to roll less off the tee, meaning the shorter hitters are going to be at more of a disadvantage than, say, Rory or Rom or Xander or Scotty Scheffler, right? So you're going to see a lot of the bombers rise to the top here this week. And my guy to get it done is Rory McIlroy. Mm. I think he does complete the career grand slam, number one in driving distance, crushes par five. His master's history is fantastic. His overall major championship resume over the last five years has been wonderful. I think he finally gets that last leg of the career Grand Slam. Only Gene Sarazen back in 1935 got it done here at Augusta. Make it number two for Rory. Boom, there it is right there. Call it a shot. That's Cam Rogers. Got it? You write it down? Jared, are you writing it down? You didn't write it down. I'm writing it down. All right, write it down. Put it on that blackboard. Put it on that whiteboard. Whatever the case may be, Cam Rogers just called his shot. Cam, we got a text from our guy, Mailman Raider. He said, Cam, I'm a Max Homa homer. (laughs) Can I bet the house on him? LOL. Yeah, no. Please don't bet on Max Homa, (laughs) and here's why. I'm getting a lot of comments about Max, too. He has no top 40s at the Masters, okay? Resume matters. Experience matters. In the last 13 years, 100% of the Masters winners at least had a top 40 at this event. So 
Wait for Max Homa. Maybe he'll play okay, finish top 40 this week, and then next year go ahead and place a bet on him. But please don't do it this week. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Mailman Raider, you'd have to uh, go ahead and you'd have to deliver a lot more mail. Don't do it. Save your money. Hold on to it. Again, Cam Rogers is our guest. Believe Podcast Network here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So, okay, you got the you got your shot. You called your shot with Rory McIlroy. So not necessarily saying going to win the whole thing, obviously, but uh, who are some guys that you think we should be on the lookout that could be in the hunt on Sunday? Day. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this guy, and nobody's talking about him. Sun J M. He has mm. two top tens at the Masters queue in three appearances. You want to talk about figuring it out at Augusta National? This guy has figured it out, and he's playing well this year. Four top tens this season, and he's got this rare combination of ball striking and scrambling. That's a rare thing in golf. Usually you're good at one and kind of bad at the other. Sunjay's good at both, so keep an eye on him. And Jason Day, the resurrection of Jason Day is a thing. He is playing fantastic here in 2023. He's got four top tens at the Masters. He was runner-up in his debut here. Jason Day, I like him for a top ten, something along those lines. So Day and Sunjay M, really good dark horses this week. You know, I saw that, uh, you know, Phil Mickelson is going to be a part of that old lefty. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of lefty. And I'm not a real big fan of, of golf in general, unless it's Tiger Woods, just to be 100% honest. But uh, just he, something about him kind of rubs me the wrong way. But he also was involved in the whole live, uh, you know, the whole live golf tournament and all that. How was, if yeah. you're hearing, how, how are the, you know, how have been kind of not the reception for these guys that are participating in live, but how has the camaraderie been about those guys that decided that they wanted to play in the live tournament with the guys that didn't? All the reports are it's been a little bit ouchy, if you will, Mm -hmm. between the PGA Tour guys and the Live guys, especially last night at the Champions Dinner, where you have a bunch of Live golfers, Patrick Reed, Sergio Garcia, Phil Mickelson, etc., at the Champions Dinner with some big-time PGA Tour loyalists like Tiger Woods. And reportedly, Phil Mickelson sat at the end of the table, did not say a word the entire dinner. Super, super awkward, super, super bizarre. And then you see Phil Mickelson interact with the media, too. Too, he seems like a shell of himself. It's almost like he stumbles around, and he doesn't really know what he's saying. And it's almost like he's ashamed that he finally joined Live and, and Live and cashed out for $200 million. It's just kind of sad to see. So, yeah, it's kind of an awkward situation here this week for these golfers. Yeah, sounds like it. And that's that's kind of weird to hear that, you know, Phil Mickelson was just kind of sitting there all by himself and not really uh, c- communicating with anyone. That That's very awkward. Again, Cam Rogers, Believe Podcast Network is our guest here, Raider Nation Radio 920. What about Jordan Spieth? What, what's, what's going on with the Jordan Spieth experience? So that's a guy that I do like. I'm in on speed. He's number two right behind Rory McIlroy in terms of my power ranking. He actually is the best player in the Masters over the last 10 years. He's top 30 around the green, really good putter, particularly in terms of lag putting. And by that, I mean he's a good defensive putter. He doesn't go for it all the time, and you can't do that here at Augusta. You have to put it in the right spot. Lead-in form is pretty darn good. It feels like he has three green jackets because he's always there, but he only has one. Hmm. I think he could certainly get two this week. So I'm in on Jordan. The only concern with him, he's not the biggest hitter out there. And so if this course becomes longer by way of the rain, going to put a lot of pressure on Spieth's iron game. So we'll see if his irons are crisp here this week. And we'll wrap up with this, Cam. I mean, we talked about the weather and how it could, you know, impact Tiger and others, including Jordan, who you just mentioned. You know, how about the tee times and the weather? I mean, is it one of those where if you get a really good tee time, you may have an advantage over someone whose tee time is a little bit later and all of a sudden the weather's starting to kick in? 
Yeah, I'm thinking the early late wave is the bad move for this week here. Okay. So tomorrow will be fine for the early guys, but then you're dealing with all of these conditions on Friday afternoon, which could mean to you either stoppage or bleeding into the next day completely. And that just throws off your routine. I mean, golfers are creatures of routine, and they don't like to be moved off their spot. That could happen here this week, especially if you play in the afternoon on Friday. So keep an eye on that. Yeah, we could be in a situation where if you got the right draw, you could be in the right position here on Sunday afternoon. That's definitely going to be a storyline to follow uh, as long as the Masters is going on. And like you mentioned, man, the Masters is such a special event that you have to, I don't care how big of a fan or how big of a fan you're not, you have to pay attention to it. So we definitely appreciate you keeping us informed. And I'll tell you this right now, my golf routine, you know, my, my, the way I, I stay in it is I usually stay off the course. Like I'm not good at, at keeping the ball <laughs> on the course. I'm normally hitting it somewhere else. My destination Usually the water. <laughs> it's just, you, you man. You a couple of White Claws for me, too. <laughs> I'm not drinking the White Claw. I'm not doing that. But I'll, you know what? I'll sit there. I'll ride in the in the little caddy. I'll ride in the little cart, and I'll be good to go. Have some cold beverages. They won't be White Claws, but I'll do something to entertain myself <laughs> so I stay out the water. But, uh, Cam, fantastic stuff, man. What do you got coming out on the Believe Podcast Network that we should all be looking out for and maybe get, getting a little bit more informed on the Masters? Yeah, check out my entire preview for the Masters. Lock it in with Cam Rogers. It's out on all podcast platforms. And then my uh, stadium show airs on Friday night, 11 o'clock Eastern time. Full Masters breakdown then as well. And you can find Cam on Twitter at MrRogers99. Lock it in. Cam, thanks so much. We appreciate you, brother. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Cam Rogers, good stuff right there. And again, not the biggest golf aficionado. I'm not going to try to lie to you, not going to try to play that role, but I know how important it is, and I know how big the Masters is, and so I definitely wanted to get a little bit of a preview heading into this weekend because it's a big deal, and I'm not going to lie. I'll sit there at the house and watch a little bit of it this weekend. not going to lie, even though that's not my bag, but I will. I mean, it's it's kind of the for the first time, it's the perfect, uh, like, or not for the first time, it's, it's that perfect, you're coming off March Madness. Yep. And you're like, but the NBA playoffs is about to ramp up. NHL playoffs are about to ramp up. We're about to have the draft. We need something that's a little more like, yeah, let's just like low key. Let's just have a have a beverage and watch a tiger kind of like do tiger with things. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, I think the reason why golf has never been my bag because it's it's too it's too slow for me. And I and what I mean by that is there's not enough. You know, I me, mean, I'm a high energy, high volume type dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> so I just need a little bit more action. That's 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 the only reason why. Like I don't like being quiet. I don't. You know, I just all these different rules. But uh, I know that there's so many tremendous golfers out there. Uh, I just was always one of those guys that locked in on Tiger, and I couldn't I couldn't do anything else. I mean, there's I actually believe it or not, I called in sick to work one day because uh, Tiger was having that playoff hole when he uh, tore his ACL. Or was it Torres ACL that when he had that Monday when he played on Monday and he came back and won and uh, yeah I, I called in sick for work because I had to see it on Monday I just I wasn't gonna go to work now I wasn't working in radio that day I was delivering FedEx so somebody didn't get their packages that day <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying someone, yeah. someone didn't get their packages just how it is I always uh, just enjoyed that the I can't remember who said it but it obviously it's tongue in cheek but when Tiger first came out and was like driving the ball the way he would it made other golfers realize oh man we can lift weights <laughs> man like the concept didn't occur to them right no i mean he, he's he's so good and I, I hate that for other golfers because they're so sticking good 
But it's like, oh, it's Tiger Woods. Oh, it's not Tiger. Okay, I'm not watching Tiger. You know what I mean? Like, it's just they almost get put on another pedestal. And I do it myself, right? Where it's like, oh, I'm not going to watch because Tiger's not in it. But really, they're so I mean, good. It's just that's just my that's just my thing. The Williams sisters and. Tennis, to a certain extent. I love tennis. Tennis is a sport that I really do enjoy. I'm actually mad that the tennis event that happened here not too long ago, I believe at the MGM, I didn't get to go to. I think I was out of town. Uh, I can't remember if that was the Super Bowl or when it was. It was. It might. I don't know when it was, but it was. I was out of town for it, and I was upset because I wanted to go to it. I've never gone to a live tennis event like a big one, right? I mean, I've gone to ones at Baylor, but cares, right? I mean, I want. I wanted to go to ones where. Someone like Serena or Venus or, you know, back in the day, you know, like, oh, I saw I saw pickleball over the weekend with Agassi and McEnroe and I was all excited. Michael Chang, I got all excited about that. And it was pickleball. So, <laughs> yeah. Agassi, Fastest growing sport of the nation. Agassi ain't the Agassi that he used to be. <laughs> He's not LVAC Agassi. He's now just Agassi. 416 is the time. We'll hear from you. Hit us up, 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword r This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. 420 is the time. Coming up at 430, Jordan Schultz from The Score. He'll join the show, talk all things owners' meetings. It was cool hanging out with him at the owners' meetings in Phoenix. Give me a little bit of tidbits. It was cool. It was Jordan Schultz, Ari Mayroff, and me, and we're just spitballing. That's that's the scene, Jared, in uh, in Phoenix. It's literally everyone that you talk to in the industry that you may not ever see in person. And Jordan and Ari, I, I've known in person anyway, but you just see so many people that you talk to, like Dan Graziano, for example, from ESPN. He's a guy I've had on the show multiple times, and uh, you know I kind of go up to him and. Hey, you know, and Paul Gutierrez introduced me. He's like, hey, this is Q from Vegas. He's like, oh, yeah, hey, what's up? So then all of a sudden we start talking about, you know, uh, different conversations that we've had when it comes to, you know, whoever he was talking about on the show. And, oh, yeah, this is what I'm hearing with the Raiders or this, that, and the other. And then just kind of walking around. And it was cool sitting there with uh, John McClain. Uh, and he was telling stories about the owners' meetings and all the meetings he's been to. But uh, it's just it's really, it's really great to get all those people all in the same area and they all have the same thing in common as the NFL. It's just it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I really enjoy whenever you and I always am grateful that you do this. You take me to the Super Bowl with you and then, you know, just uh, absolutely grind me into dust. But well, that's uh, what we do. We grind yeah. we grind everyone into dust. But like just the amount of people that come up that I'm like, "Oh, I know him." And he's walking straight to Q and Dap. <laughs> all right. <laughs> It's the art of the network. Oh yeah, boy. like it's I'm the just art like, of the network. <laughs> I, I assume most people just assume, oh, you got oh a weird looking assistant, and I'm just like, hello. Yeah, no, it's all good, man. That's that's what it's all about is is getting out there and getting that face recognition, shaking hands, and it makes that that text of like, hey, you had a really good piece on ESPN.com. Can you come on the show and talk about it? Yeah, sure, for you. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. it's just a different ball game than someone that's a complete stranger. So when you get those opportunities to intermingle with folks. Uh, you do that, just like I did earlier today with Todd McShay as I was on his uh, conference call. And uh, we've been talking about his conference call, talking about the quarterbacks in the top ten. And we know who the, the big four are when it comes to C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, uh, obviously Anthony Richardson and Will Levis as well. Levis, for some reason, is starting to drop a little bit. But, you know, I, I don't not drop, but he's just not being talked about, I should say, as much. Anthony Richardson right now, he's the flavor of the month based off of his pro day. Uh, he did it last. Maybe that was smart. 
right? Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, they all went bang, 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 back to back to back. And then uh, Anthony Richardson had his a week later, last Thursday, as a matter of fact, and everyone's still talking about it, including myself. And uh, really, in my mind, I'm still thinking, should the Raiders make a move for him? Should they make a move for him? Well, that was a question that I asked earlier today to, uh, to Todd McShay, you know, asking, matter of fact, you got that soundbite right, and I know it's kind of lengthy, but we'll go ahead and run the it back. The five-minute one? Yeah, we'll go, ahead and yeah. Run it. we'll go ahead and run it back because somebody might have just tuned in. So this is the question that I posed to Todd McShay about the Raiders and if they should have some interest in Anthony Richardson that also talk about the cornerbacks that are in this draft because he selected Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois on his latest mock draft at number seven. Todd, thanks for doing this. Uh, you mentioned how the cornerback class is pretty deep. What's the talent gap between a Witherspoon, Gonzalez, and a Porter, and maybe round two, round three cornerbacks? And then second question is uh, you have Witherspoon going to the Raiders at seven. Should they be tempted to try to trade up to number three and get uh, Richardson as you had the Colts trade up to get him? Yeah, I mean, you can make the argument that they should be, and it would be a really good spot for Richardson, just being able to go in with, with Garoppolo there and have a year at least to to develop. And he's only going to be 21 as a rookie compared to, like, Will Levis, who's going to be 24, Hendon Hooker, who's going to turn uh, 26 in, in the, the end of uh, his rookie season. So you've got time to develop Richardson. You don't have the game experience that you want to see, and there's a lot to work with, and, and game reps are going to be hard to to replicate. Um, but but I don't think – like just, just talking to people in the league and, and other sources that I have, I get the sense that if it's, if it's not a quarterback named, named Stroud or Young, they're just not interested in, in not only moving up, but even probably taking a quarterback at number seven. I think they have so many other needs that they're they're kind of focused on. So I know they did their due diligence. I think they they had as many dinners the night before pro days with these top guys as, as the Carolina Panthers did. They just didn't bring the owner and his wife like Carolina did. But um, but they definitely have done their due diligence on the group. I know that they tried to move up to that number one spot, didn't get a deal done. Carolina did. And so my information is that if it's not Young or Stroud, they're just going to try to build up their roster in other other places. Um, as for cornerback, like I think there is a difference between the first two guys, but it's not like it's not a massive gap. Um, you know, Witherspoon. I went through Witherspoon and Gonzalez in, in pretty good detail. Joey Porter does is not quite as like smooth in coverage as Gonzalez. Um, and he's a little bit inconsistent with his uh, gap discipline and, and sometimes will get himself out of position. But, man, he, uh, if you're playing, a, you know, the cover three, even cover one, um, and, and looking for press cover corners, Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State's your guy. I mean, he is, he is tall, 6'2 193 pounds, 34-inch arms. I mean, when you have that length of a left tackle out at cornerback, it allows you to reroute receivers, get physical, and really stunt their their stem as a receiver. And then he's got the this the top end speed. He ran better than I thought he actually would. He ran a four four six in the forty. So he can recover too if he's if he's stalking guys after press man or, or press zone. So I, I really like him as a player. He didn't have great interception production. I think he only had one interception last year, but he had eleven pass breakups. So he's around the ball a lot, and it's tough to throw around that a guy with that kind of. Um, with that kind of length. So uh, to me, Porter Jr. is is the third corner. After that, I really – there are two other guys I think belong in the first round. Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State, who's a, a toothpick. You know, he I think he's – I think he's 166 pounds at the combine. Uh, 
Yeah, 166, but he's got long arms. He actually, typically a guy like that who's tall and long is better in press coverage. He, he has great eyes in, um, in zone coverage, off coverage. And you look at his, his production, 14 career interceptions, six returns for touchdowns. I mean, he, you talk about a guy with instincts and recognition skills and the ability to, to understand route combinations. You see him peel off of his guy and, and, and go make a play on the ball because it's, it, he knows when to get his eyes in the backfield and, and, and figure out when, where the quarterback's going with the ball and, and get early jumps consistently. So I think he belongs in the first. And I also think um, I would say uh, Deontay Banks from Maryland's another guy. A little bit inconsistent when the ball's in the air, but he's got the traits to be a really good player. Um, you know, and he, and he had a really good season this past year at Maryland. He's six foot, you know, almost 32 inch arms. He ran a four, three, five with a 42 inch vertical. So at the cornerback position, the length speed combination is more important than probably any other position. When it comes to testing, it's probably the, the most important position to, to have the, to have the, you know, high test scores and, and the traits that you look for, because, you know, these guys, it seems like they come in, if they're in the right system that utilizes their, their ability, uh, typically you're going to you're going to find corners that, that wind up playing better and having more production in the NFL than they did in college if you utilize what they do best. And Seattle's been doing that for for a long time. And they did this past year with their late round rookie cornerback. So, um, yeah, that, to me, that those are the four corners that belong. And then you get down to like I, I look at the, the Michigan corner. Um, DJ Turner is another guy that could sneak in the late first as well. There you go. Todd McShay earlier today talking about Anthony Richardson, if the Raiders should have some interest in him. And, you know, he said that there's a, you know, there's there's a good landing spot for him because they do have Jimmy G right there and he could sit behind him and not be forced into action, which obviously is good. I think it'd be great for wherever Anthony Richardson goes for him to not be forced into action, but also compete. And what I mean by that is like a package deal where he gets out onto the field and gets his feet wet just a little bit. Not something similar to what what Colin Kaepernick did when he was with the 49ers and he was behind Alex Smith and, and Harbaugh had him come in here and there ever so often as a package, a guy that could run the rock, obviously, but also a guy who could throw the ball. So uh, I think that that would be something good for Anthony Richardson, no matter who he goes to, because again, the biggest thing he does not have is experience. He's played in 13 games in college. That is nothing, right? That's Trubisky numbers. So I'm saying that's, that's one game more than Trey Lance numbers. Right. I mean, that's not very much action. So he does need that kind of action. Also, Todd McShay talking about Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi uh, State. That's a guy that, boy, I'll tell you right now, man, I'm all on with I'm all in on Witherspoon. I'm all in on Gonzalez. But if Justin or Robin Oakland get their way and, and the Raiders trade back and there's another DB on the board that they could potentially get maybe at the back end of round one. A guy that has 14 career interceptions that knows how to get his hands on the ball in college. Six of them he took to the house. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. One of the biggest things I've been talking about for the longest is get guys that have production when it comes to getting and creating turnovers. Guys, and Josh McDaniels has said it, they've got to have guys on defense that either hit the quarterback or get their hands on the ball. Emmanuel Forbes, Mississippi State, gets his hands on the ball and when he does, usually good things happen. Jordan Schultz from The Score. He'll join us next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. 
You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Jim from Yonkers, hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Three weeks to go to the highest rated television show that night. Every draft, there's some guy sitting at home that everyone missed on. The phone rings after the draft, and that dude is hungrier than a first rounder. That's the dude I want on my team. Thank you for a great show. Again, that's Jim from Yonkers. And he's right, Jared. There's always someone that gets slept on, gets selected way later than they expected to go, someone that they kind of keep looking at and keep, man, I wonder when this guy's going to go. I wonder when this guy's going to go. And then all of a sudden that fuels them. And then you see them with whatever number that is, right? All these guys were selected before Maurice Jones-Drew. Right, exactly. Someone's coming out of the draft with a chip on their shoulder. And you're right, man. Jim, I'm like you. I want more of those guys with chips on their shoulder on my team than, than not. Right, because there's just something a little bit about a guy that's got a little something, something in their neck is what I like to call. So, uh, thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you joining us now on the phone lines from the scores. Our good friend Jordan Schultz and Jordan, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you, man. Just in Phoenix with you at the owners' meeting, they were a lot of fun. What was your biggest takeaway when it came to those owners' meetings? Uh, it was fun. Um, you know what I would say? Obviously, a lot of misinformation about the draft because the at that point, you have free agency has slowed considerably, and then you start to get the draft going. So it was a lot of – I just thought it was misinformation about players and teams and potential trades, and that was my big takeaway from 30,000 feet. But I did hear a lot of good things about a couple players that, that was interesting to me. Um, I don't think I heard – I don't think I've heard anything bad, one word, about like three different guys, okay? So you want those guys? Yes, one absolutely. Them, you can't tease one, me like that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is Dalton Kincaid. Okay. The tight end of Utah. Uh, everyone I've talked to about him loves his ability to stretch the field. He's got great hands. He had almost 900 yards last year, all big, or all Pac-12 of Utah. And I think he, he, he is he's probably one of those guys that comes in right away and contributes like immediately. Um, Deontay Banks, the corner out of Maryland, mm-hmm. really, really interesting prospect, a tremendous athlete, uh, rangy, can really run, um, 21 years old. I think he was another guy that teams really liked. And then I'll say Miles Murphy, um, he answered some, some real questions because he had a pro day yesterday that was through the roof, freakish. I, I tweeted it out. Almost every team was there. I think he ran four five something, which is unbelievable considering he's about six five two seventy. Yeah, and when you think about what his what his profile is as an edge guy, um, I don't see him getting past uh, getting outside the, the the teens in this draft. And then one more name for you is Bijan Robinson. Mm. It's just it's unbelievable to me that our running back um, that 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 we're hearing these these words that you, it's almost similar to what we heard with Saquon. And his athletic profile, his off-the-field profile, everything checks the box. I don't know where exactly he's going to go, but I can tell you that I haven't heard this much excitement about a running back since Saquon Barkley. Do you think this will be a huge test for just teams in general, just where they value a running back? Because to me, like you mentioned, yeah. he's more than a running back. He's a game-changer. He really is, and I do. I, you know, I don't know if he goes in the top 10, the top 20. Uh, somewhere in there, I can't imagine he he goes much he goes much further. Uh, he is incredibly talented, and not only that, his demeanor is he, he can help reset a franchise, which, like you said, is is really rare for a running back in this day and age. Um, 
spent some time with them last week too, and just through the roof IQ, um, personality. He's just he's everything you'd want in a franchise. And you, when you hear those terms, you think quarterback, right? But he is a running back. Um, he's a true junior. He's young, only twenty years old, twenty one years old, and. It is a very good running back class. I mean, you know, a lot of teams like Jameer Gibbs compare him to Kamara. There's a lot of really good backs in this class, but I just think Bijan Robinson is is a true generational player. Sticking with the draft, as we talked to Jordan Schultz from the score here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Did you hear anything at the owners' meetings about Jalen Carter and teams being a little concerned about off the field stuff when it comes to Jalen? I don't know. I don't think he'll get past. I think the, his worst case scenario is Philly at ten, okay. which would be a great which would be great for him. Um, because he would he wouldn't have to necessarily be the guy right away, considering that defensive line. Um, there is concern about Jalen Carter. You know, he he obviously had some issues at the combine. I was in in Indianapolis when that happened, mm-hmm. and it was strange that he came back. And then obviously, you know, his pro day, he was out of shape and couldn't finish it. But his production was pretty tremendous at the highest level of college football. Uh, he's an interior pass rusher and run defender. And I, I just, you know, considering his talent profile, I don't see him getting past 10. You know, you sent me a few messages about guys that are taking top 30 visits, like Zay Flowers, mm-hmm. the wide receiver, Anthony Richardson, yep. the quarterback. He's actually visiting with the Raiders on Friday, Keely Ringo. What, in your opinion, or from your knowledge of just different NFL teams and talking to people, what are teams trying to get to the bottom of when they have these top 30 visits? It's a combination of things. Either you're really interested in the player, or it's kind of a smokescreen to say, I am interested, but maybe I'm not, but maybe he's interested. You know, it's like right. <laughs> there's, a, there's games, a lot of gamesmanship. It's, uh, it's chess, not checkers when it comes to it. And, and you know, you, get, you only get a finite number of these visits as teams, but most of the time there is legitimate interest in the player in the position, and you're trying to just get that, you know, that, that, that final kind of draft, um, touch base with a with a player in sense of who he is because obviously you spend time with these guys at the combine, at their pro days. You talk to their coaches. No st- no stone is left unturned. But when it comes to the visits, it's really about getting that specific player in your facility and seeing how it feels, how it fits, how does how does he feel, and and, and that's you know I think that's very valuable. You know some in the you mentioned Dave Flowers like he's one of these guys who I think teams or maybe the media has unfairly labeled a slot guy because he's 5'9", and he does have production from the slot. But actually, when you go and really look at it, you know, teams have said you know, to me that he, he can play pretty much every wide receiver position, including outside, because of his route-running prowess. So, you know, Flowers is an interesting one. Um, you know, I think Hyatt is another really interesting guy because he was unbelievably productive, wins the Bolitnikoff, and... Um, he is a day one guy, as in not day one draft pick, which he is, but he is a legitimate receiving threat the second he steps on an NFL field. These are the types of players, Q, that are really interesting to me that can come in to winning programs and contribute from day one. Game changers, right? We like to call those guys game changers, and, and those, those those guys you mentioned are exactly that. And another guy that has the potential to be a game changer, and look, I, I'm in the belief that the Raiders have so many holes on defense, they need to go and get as many alphas on defense and as many game changers on defense as they can. But then there's a little birdie on my shoulder, Jordan, that says, Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson, he has all the ability in the world. He's just got to put it together. What are you hearing about Anthony Richardson? Is this guy one of those that could turn into a franchise-like quarterback in the NFL? Anthony Richardson is a legitimate 
I don't, I don't even want to say unicorn. I had one um, executive refer to him as an alien to me, which, which is like <laughs> the equivalent to what we've heard about. Um, uh, who's the uh, woman Yana? Yeah, the, yep. you know, the, the French, the French prospect who's going to go number one in the draft. That's that, those are the types of words, unicorn alien, that you hear with Anthony Richardson. Um, I'm going to read you. I, I wrote a story that included some quotes on him. This is an executive of a playoff team who said, quote, I almost wish we needed a quarterback. And then he said, Richardson reminds me of Josh Allen with his tools. He's so fast and explosive. When you think about Anthony Richardson, I would love to see him in a situation like a Detroit where he could sit for a year or two, learn a system, learn a program, and then come in and be the truth. Because he is only 20 years old. And I know his tape wasn't as good or as sound as some of the other guys, but they didn't have the same weapons and and i think in in his case the coaching was not particularly great i didn't feel like they maximized him and so i I am extremely excited about him well i'll pose this question to you jordan and again we're talking with jordan schultz from the score here on raider nation radio 920 unnecessary roughness the raiders have jimmy g they just signed brian hoyer how about a landing spot like that for anthony richardson maybe they have to trade up to number three to get him but would that be worth it exactly so so that's another situation where there's a, there's a soft landing zone. And, and to me, Q, that's what you want with someone like Richardson, who is the youngest quarterback in the draft and, and obviously has, has to probably sit, I would say, at least a year, which is, which is totally fine. And if I'm the Raiders, you know, I, I've been looking for a quarterback. Um, you know, obviously, it didn't, didn't necessarily pan out with Derek Carr. He, he went to whatever, four Pro Bowls, whatever it was, but he was never truly the answer. They never truly got over the hump. Um, Jimmy G was a nice signing. I think he'll do well, but a soft landing zone for Anthony Richardson, uh, with a, with a, an offensive mind like Josh, like Josh McDaniels to me, makes a lot of sense. That, that's why I said Detroit, another one where, you know, he, he could come in and sit and learn a system, but yeah, I mean, you might have to trade up. It's, it's very right. possible. I mean, he has skyrocketed, but he is worth the price of admission. It really seems like it. Right. And I know he's got the fan base all split. He's got me split. He's got me questioning myself, Jordan. And I don't like to question myself, but you know, he's, he's really seems like that guy. Raiders fans want, want Richardson. Is that, is that, is that true? Some want Richardson. Some just say defense, defense, defense. Don't try to get, get a project because well, they need defense and they haven't addressed it in so long, which is absolutely tr- the truth. Yeah, that's fair as well. And and this is a, <laughs> Listen, I really like this draft class. I think there's a lot of really nice pieces. Um, the Raiders pick where right now? I'm not looking at the mock. They are number seven. So they pick seven. So let's just think hypothetically of what they could do. They could go corner, Witherspoon or Gonzalez. Yep. They could go edge, Ben Ness out of Iowa. They could go Richardson, maybe trade up. Um, maybe Jalen Carter's there. So there are premium prospects available uh, Skaronsky, another one, offensive lineman at Northwestern. So there, there's a lot there defensively. No, there is. And the Raiders have, uh, they have 12 picks, right? So far in the draft, they have 12 picks. So, yeah, I, I mean, can't imagine they'll, they'll use all those. So they, right. can, they can easily move up. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, Jordan, that they can use those uh, extra picks because they're not going to need all 12, but use those to kind of target guys uh, throughout the course of the draft and get the players that they really, really covet and are looking at. Again, we're talking with Jordan Schultz from The Score here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now that free agency is just about done, and you know, I thought a sneaky good signing for the Raiders was wide receiver DeAndre Carter. Uh, you actually put me up on game that uh, he was signing with the silver and black as well, and I'm really excited about him for his return ability. The Raiders just hired Danny Amendola to help out as as a coach, uh, returners as well, and he was a really good punt returner when he was in the league. Uh, how much do you think DeAndre Carter can help in the return game for the Silver and Black? 
Well, he was second in the league in punt return average last year. Two years ago, I think he was, I want to say he was second or third in kick return. He is really versatile in special teams, so that's a great 100% there. But then also, you know, last year, quietly, uh, in, in the Chargers, was really productive. Had his best year, uh, over 500 yards, three touchdowns, was really good on third down. And I think, you know, Garoppolo is going to lean on him a lot. Uh, and obviously, you know, Renfro did not have the type of season that he wanted to. I'm sure he'll be better. But Carter is someone who can play all over the field. He's great on special teams. He's low maintenance. And obviously, it was just a, it, it, to me, it was a really smart signing. I know, I know it does seem like the Raiders target former Chargers. The Chargers <laughs> wanted him back, which says a lot. He wanted to be a Raider because he felt like this was an opportunity for me to compete. And I think when you consider the fact that Adams is there, Myers now, he'll be a really good fourth option for that offense. I think so, too. And it's funny you mentioned targeting former Chargers because everybody in Raider Nation will tell you, all they're doing is sign a Patriots. All they're doing is sign a Patriots. You know, so. But as you know, Jordan, you've covered the league long enough, and not just the NFL, NBA, everyone. I mean, they, they always bring in their own guys. No matter what, guys are always going to hire the guys that they're comfortable with. It's, it's the same with coaching. Yep. It's the same type of deal. That's why you have coaching trees. You have, yeah, I mean, the, because what happens is, you know, it, it's, it, it, listen, I mean, it, another example of it is, is uh, the Patriots drafting Bama guys. Obviously, Mac Jones, the relationship between Belichick and Saban. Um, you know, Dante Hightower, they, they've had tremendous success with Alabama players. So when you think about it, it's basically, who am I comfortable with? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean on my relationships, my friendships, to get the information I need. And that comes down to coaches and players. So it makes sense. No, it really does. Jordan Schultz is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. Now that free agency is just about done, is there anyone who's still out there unsigned that you're just kind of waiting for that that ball to drop or you think maybe dropping pretty soon? Yeah, there's still some really good players. I mean, and at this point, Hugh, a lot of guys aren't necessarily in a hurry. They don't necessarily want to go to OTA, some of the veterans, but – you think about names like Puna Ford, Shelby Harris, obviously Zeke Elliott, Leonard Fournette. There's still some really yeah, good players, um, guys that can make a difference right away. And, and we just saw Calais Campbell get some real money from Atlanta. Um, so you're going to see, I think, a, a slower pace, given that you have veterans that don't necessarily need to get signed right away, but you still have legitimate players that are out there. And some guys want to wait till post-draft because then they can evaluate which teams, maybe there's three teams that really fit. But, uh, no, you, you still have some good players available, certainly. Well, I'll tell you this. One of the biggest storylines coming out of the owners' meetings that we were at in, in Phoenix was uh, the first day when Lamar Jackson dropped the bomb that he had asked for a trade on uh, March 2nd, and that was right when John Harbaugh was sitting down at the table with us all uh, to talk. Yeah. So, Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers, what situation gets resolved first? Uh, that's a great one. I would say, I would say Rodgers because at least you have the team in place. Um, and an opportunity to get uh, a, a comp pick. So you would have, um, to me, it makes sense. It's a lot easier to get a deal done if you're the Jets and Packers because what it comes down to is if you really want to get that deal done, the comp picks allow both teams to win, right? It's based, the compensation is based on how Aaron Rodgers performs. That's what the Packers will receive. In terms of the in terms of the Ravens, you have these teams coming down saying we're not interested in Lamar. I don't really get that. He's 26 years old. He's a former MVP. These guys don't grow on trees. Just seems like there's a lot of unresolved issues there, um, and maybe he still could be a Raven. I, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me either. In terms of Rodgers, I just feel like at least the framework is there. You 
you you had the you've had significant conversations between both teams. Right. Well, I'll tell you right now, I didn't think that it was going to be the beginning of April and we were going to talk about the Rodgers deal wasn't done and there's a chance that Lamar might be somewhere else that's not Baltimore. I just never thought that was going to happen, but here we are. And that's why I guess that's why we do this every day because, well, you never know what kind of twists and turns. Not in this league. You never (laughs) know in this league, bro. (laughs) Not at all, my man. Not at all. I'm learning every single day. Well, Jordan, fantastic stuff. Uh, What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? I'm actually writing a story on Will Levis right now. Uh, talk to some, you know, former teammates, coaches. Um, he's one of those guys that it seems like the media has turned on, and I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. And it seems like everyone I talk to loves the guy. So we'll see. Uh, I, I, he's, I've been impressed with him. He's a really, really talented player, and I think the swag the media has said, oh, we don't like that, and now that's considered bad, whatever, taboo. I want to debunk that because I don't think it's fair. You know, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I I do feel the same way, right? There was a lot of conversation about Will Levis when this whole draft period kind of started, and now I feel like nobody's talking about him. And I'm seeing mock drafts where I saw one yesterday. He was mocked at 23 to Minnesota. I saw one today. McShay had him going 14 to Tampa Bay, but that's because they traded up. It just seems like the steam is coming out of his his little train that he's got rolling there. Yeah, exactly. And I think the media has said that they don't, you know, they – Whatever he's he's immature or he's he's unpolished and uh, his tape wasn't good enough. Whatever, but the guy is enormously talented and and when it comes to quarterback, that's what talks, you know. Right. And I spoke to, for example, Wondell Robinson, his his former receiver, Kentucky, now with the Giants, and he was just raving about him, saying that he loved having them as quarterback. He loves his swag and everything he does comes from a good place. And those are the types of things you want to hear. And that's why I don't think he'll end up having to wait that long on, on draft day. It should be interesting. You know how these draft seasons go, man. It's always crazy. Guys go up and down. They stop talking about them, start talking about them, and we never know what's going to happen until they actually get their it name called. It takes one team to love you. That's all yep, it is. That's all it is. I've been saying that my whole life. It's only going to take one. I just need one person <laughs> to love me, and I'll be good. <laughs> hey, Jordan. You're a little guy, bro. You are. <laughs> Jordan, great stuff, man. I appreciate you, brother. Always a pleasure. See you, bro. All right, my man. There he goes right there. My man, Jordan Schultz from The Score. Catch him on Twitter at Schultz underscore reporting with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Jim from Yonkers just hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line. Great guest. With the addition of DeAndre Carter, is is Renfro gone or does he just concentrate on just being a receiver? Thank you for a great show. And you know what? I I, I think that that allows Hunter Renfro, if he is a a Raider in 2023, which I believe he will be. He is right now. There was that one time before his his – his contract was guaranteed that there were some question marks, but I think he is. And that just adds to the the room. And like Jordan said, now DeAndre Carter could be a wide receiver number four and also add a lot of juice to the return game. And that's something that the Raiders have needed for a very long time is some juice in the return game. Danny Amendola is part of the return coaching staff, and we'll see how that works. But he was a really good returner in his day. So I would think that maybe a little of that can, uh, you know, can rub off on these returners for the silver and black. Got a text from Rob in Oakland. Part of the reason I suggested trading down from seven is because I think Miles Murphy is an alpha that's currently flying under the radar. I know we need playmakers at DB and want to improve there. At the same time, although complimentary, harassing and hitting the quarterback benefits the DBs more than one shutdown cornerback benefits the pass rush, in my opinion. Plus, I just want to put Mahomes and Herbert in the dirt. Rob in Oakland, I like that right there. Great stuff, my man. And yeah, that's uh, Murphy is a guy that's getting a lot of love, right? He showed out at his little personal day, just like Devin Witherspoon had his personal day today. So uh, Miles Murphy could be that guy somewhat flying under the radar, but we do appreciate you, and we appreciate you more at all, Raider Nation, 
7 a.m., 10 a.m., make sure you wake up with the morning tailgate here on Radio 920. Good night.